So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. This is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's uh, super great to have you on today. I want to have a little bit of a philosophical talk today about why um, I have often seen investors with seemingly very similar circumstances, education and income getting vastly different results to others. And in some cases, a, a really stellar result in contrast to a very mediocre result. So I want to talk a little bit about why I see this happening and maybe some of the takeaways that you can think about when you're examining your own approach to investing. So one of the things that sparked the, I guess, the thinking for this particular episode was I was listening to a story of a very successful venture capitalist who had a fantastic track record of having made consistent decisions over time, which resulted in an extraordinarily profitable um, fund. And essentially, one of the things that kind of struck me as being you know, just quite mind boggling to be frank, is this idea that from an expectation point of view, when a venture capitalist such as this guy throws millions, hundreds of millions of dollars at startups, the expectation of success is that somewhere between, I think it's like 50 odd percent will fail completely and the money will be lost. Another sort of 30 odd percent or 30 to 35 percent will be kind of mediocre in terms of return, maybe, you know, doubling their money. And that somewhere between five to 15 percent is kind of like the moonshots, the 10x maybe even beyond 10x. And when you think about investing from that perspective, you think, my God, the odds are terrible. Like the chances of success are so low. And yet many people or many high net worth individuals, in fact, would would look at venture capital as the way to really take their wealth to the stratosphere. And of course, you know, for every story of success, there's plenty more of people who have lost significant amounts of money through a really great idea, a business, a startup. And then for whatever reason, whether it's an issue with the founder or an issue with the economy or just a poorly executed idea can result in millions of dollars of loss. And so that got me thinking about how do we as ordinary investors take some of the lessons and thinking and apply it to our own situation. So where I thought I'd love to start from a kind of a philosophical viewpoint is talking first of all about what I think people believe about investing. And I I say that because it's what people have told me they believe. It's what I hear in everyday conversation. And it's certainly what I have witnessed over the last 25 plus years. So the first thing is that people believe that there are some people just born with a Midas touch. And when I say that, you know, it means that they're just born with this ability to 
identify the winners from the losers and that everything they touch turns to gold. I certainly have a good friend who I don't see often enough, but he's someone whom I think a lot of people would say has the Midas touch. He has had fantastic career around business, uh, multiple businesses, and has gone on to be an extremely successful developer. Now, my feeling about this guy is that he is someone who is very astute. He's very intelligent, but he's also just as uh, prone to error as everybody else. And he, more than anyone, would talk about things being uncertain and stacking the odds in your favor. The second thing that I would say people believe about investing is that wealth building is smooth and easy. A lot of people have this misconception that when you start putting investing, uh, you know, investments into particular deals, that you will compound those results and it will be a nice straight line towards the ultimate goal that you have. And especially in lieu of the story I've just told you about VCs, clearly that is not the case. The other thing I've heard regularly is that there are no losses or setbacks. Certainly in my own experience, I've had some fairly uh, significant um, seismic setbacks and losses in my time. And so that's certainly not the case. And then the other thing I think people believe about investing is that uh, money and happiness are highly correlated. And when I say that, I'm talking about this idea that when you hit a certain money goal, the happiness will automatically arrive and that financial problems will automatically disappear. So unfortunately touched on why I think some of those things aren't true already. But let me focus on the truth that I believe that not many people tell you or that isn't really talked about in wider circles. The first thing I want to say is investing is absolutely more of a mind game than anything else. So I've often said that the results that you have are a function of the way that you think and the actions that you take. But if if I were to make the analogy to weight loss or getting fit, a lot of athletes will tell you that obviously you have to train hard, but If you're trying to get in shape, for example, there's definitely a consensus amongst people who are smoking hot that it's more about what you eat uh, than necessarily throwing yourself at more training. So in the case of investing, that is absolutely the case. And what I would say to you is that, you know, your relationship with money, how you think about money, how you recover from loss, how you recover from mistakes has a huge impact on your ability to move towards your financial goals either quickly or slowly. The second thing I would say is there's no such thing as the Midas touch. I mean, it can certainly appear that way that some people have an affinity for making great decisions, but people fall from grace all the time. And, you know, I've read countless stories and I've certainly witnessed, you know, through clients and family and friends that people have the Midas touch until they don't. I've certainly known a lot of people who have been living high on the hog and really living the high life and then suddenly something fairly fundamental goes wrong and they are uh, left in a financial situation which is either diabolical or you know seriously diminished from where they were so I think it's really important to recognize that you know this idea that things can't go wrong is not necessarily a healthy perspective to have and you know I think the example that comes to mind that I want to share is someone like your Elon Musk. A lot of people look at Elon Musk and I've heard it said a number of times that he has the Midas touch and that 
you know, regardless of what he invests in, just through sheer grit and determination, he's going to make a success of things. And I think there's definitely an element with him of him being um, such an extreme character and such a an intelligent person that he certainly stacks the odds in his favor. But is it possible for him to be involved in a business that fails? I would say absolutely it, it's possible. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I think to say that it could never happen is, is also naive. So I think that this Midas touch idea needs to be approached with caution. I think as well, the truth that nobody tells you is that from an investment point of view, particularly when we're talking about real estate and we're talking about active strategies in real estate, like developments and renovations and flipping and all that good stuff, all projects, all investments will hit speed humps and can derail. The perception that a lot of people maybe sitting on the outside may have is that it runs smoothly, that everything goes according to plan. And, you know, for those of you, who are listening to this, who've had any involvement in, say, for example, developments, you will know that, you know, the course of uh, development rarely runs smoothly. You know, people don't turn up on time. I've had instances of developments where builders have gone bankrupt just prior to completion, and that's caused all sorts of problems. So, you know, sometimes the problems are small, sometimes they're big. But one of the things that um, I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm trying to help my beloved husband participate in some of the development deals in a more active way. And he's actually flabbergasted because I've tended to shield him a little and just get on with doing things. Uh, He's flabbergasted at how many things don't go according to plan. And the truth of the matter is that if everything went according to plan and if it was easy, then everyone would be doing it. And I think your mental state and your capacity to adopt the attitude of it's just another problem to solve. And, you know, it's almost got to be a mantra uh, when it comes to investing in finance. It's just another problem to solve. It's nothing to get flustered or completely spit the dummy over, but you've got to expect that things are definitely not going to go according to plan. And, you know, even with your passive investing, things can go wrong. I think the uh, the thing that I would say just to kind of round that out is that sometimes the most profitable projects are actually the ones that are most difficult. I think if you study investing, there are investors all over the world who have been wildly successful and then in some cases been completely wiped out or gone back to square one. But the difference between those guys that you know, come back is they know what they do to get back on their feet. And above all, they don't make the comeback, the sort of the setback, sorry, mean anything. So if I were going to kind of kind of round that out and say, look, what are the lessons here that you guys can take away from this? Let me be as pragmatic as I as I can, because I know I'm talking about kind of the, the softer stuff here. But I think the first thing I would say is you need to recognize that there is a very different skill set for making money versus investing. And I hear people confuse those two things all the time, especially if they're in business. If you're a really successful entrepreneur who, you know, has a gift around making money, I've often seen a disconnect between the making of money and the keeping of money. And so, you know, you need to invest time, energy, resources, bandwidth into growing your skills around investing. I think that's really important. The second thing I would say is ask yourself the question, how strongly do you identify with this concept of grit and determination? I know in my own world, I certainly was pretty slow to learn a lot of things. But one of the things that many people have pointed out to me over the years is I have quietly exhibited great grit and determination. And even when I haven't understood things or I've got things wrong, I'm pretty good at 
picking myself up, dusting myself off and moving on. I think part of that is around where there have been mistakes or cuts or losses or bruises or whatever you want to call them. Look for the lesson, but don't do such a detailed post-mortem analysis on it that you get stuck. And I think that's really important. Certainly, I've had moments of feeling slightly stuck and then I've caught myself and said, no, it's really important that, you know, if you've had lost opportunities or you've made a mistake that's resulted in a loss, that you look for the lesson and you move forward. The next thing I would I'd really kind of recommend is, you know, reminding yourself that there are no shortcuts. I have a, a really dear friend who is very talented at what he does. And whenever I hear him talk about the things that he is doing to increase his income, I hear him talking about quick and dirty tactics to get traction. And when it comes to wealth building, unfortunately, I did learn this the hard way. I went and did a whole lot of get rich quick courses, you know, when I was very young in my 20s. And I recognize now that you are much better off investing in a game that is a long game than you are looking for quick and dirty tactics to get you out of the gates. Um, We saw that happen most recently with a lot of people jumping in to a lot of these tokens in the blockchain world. I heard stories from people I know and, and people I don't know talking about how they lost their life savings over a weekend from trying to jump on something that was going to hundred X. So I really encourage you to avoid looking for the shortcuts. If you haven't already go back and listen to my podcast on the three stages of wealth building, you've got to build capital. Then you can focus on changing your income trajectory and then you can build annuities, but there's no, there's no shortcuts to that. The fourth point I want to make here is that it's really useful to ask yourself, have you altered your investing efforts because of a past setback? One of the things that, you know, really makes me super sad is talking to people who have experienced some kind of financial setback and it really influences who they are and how they feel about themselves and how they feel about investing. They kind of label themselves as maybe I'm just no good at this or they sort of they're resigned about the sorts of opportunities that they expect to uncover. And, you know, I've certainly had moments of that in my past. That's why I'm saying it. But I think it's really important that where you have had a setback is you look for the opportunity and, you know, refer back to grit and determination. You just dust yourself off and just try again. The final point that I want to make is probably one that's, you know, relevant to some of you. I think when we're younger, when we're really just trying to establish ourselves as investors, we tend to take on slightly more hair raising. We, we, red line, we push things to the limit. And as we get older and wiser, and as we get to understand the lay of the land and how these investments work, we can start to make the decision around whether we want to be an active or passive investor. Now, when you're young and you're just getting started, if you want to be a passive investor from the get-go, then you're going to limit the number of opportunities that you can access that could potentially build your capital because, you know, you've got to do a bit of work if you're expecting above average results for sure. But as you start to build some reasonable net worth and some capital behind you, then you've got the opportunity to look for investing opportunities where you can maybe, you know, take more of a backseat in terms of the active management day to day. And, you know, certainly please go back and listen to 
past episodes where I've talked exclusively about why I love alternative at that stage of the journey. So just to round out this episode, if I were going to talk about, you know, why do some investors succeed and others get mediocre results? I think it's a whole bunch of things. It's a really complex chemistry of circumstance, luck, preparation, education, attitude, relationship with money. There's a whole bunch of things. But what I hope I've done in this episode is just tease out four or five things to have you think about so that if you're worried that you're not where you want to be, perhaps there's one of those sort of five keys that you can focus on. Bearing in mind as well that I'm a huge advocate for not comparing yourself to others. I had someone ask me today, oh, look, um, you know, this is actually one of my clients who's a super sweet guy. He said, uh, you know, am I a small fry in, you know, in the context of all your other clients? And, you know, my immediate response was to say it doesn't really matter whether your passive income goal is 80,000 or 80 million or anywhere in between you know what matters is how your journey is on the path to achieving that goal and whether it's going to create the sort of freedom in your life that will give you the ability to choose and that's really what we're all about isn't it anyway I'm going to leave it there guys till next time take care thank you as always for the really lovely comments and kind emails that I've been getting if there are topics that you're interested in please reach out otherwise I look forward to catching you next time take care You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to incosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.